Hey, how you doing? This is Wade with Wade for Wireless. And welcome back for another episode of Wade for Wireless with all your wireless updates, news, and information. Just sit back and relax. How you doing? This is Wade with Wade for Wireless. Today, in our usual quest to understand technology and wireless, let's talk about how do you get broadband to the underserved? I mean, that's a big question, isn't it? Because we're always wondering how to get broadband out there, how to get it closer to the people, how to get it to more people, things like that. But first off, I want to thank you because I've had over 400 blog posts Thank you. Appreciate everyone that follows me. And I do want to get my newsletter up and going again rather than just uh, sending out a newsletter every time a, a blog goes out. I really have to improve that. So I'm going to start up the monthly newsletter. And I also want to thank you because I am well over, oh, I don't know how many podcasts I have. I'm well over 300. So I'd like to thank you for that too. It's a lot of work, but I appreciate all you followers out there. I appreciate everyone that that, that does take an interest. And I think what we're all trying to do is make this better for all of us. Like I'm trying to consult, I'm trying to coach people, I try to help people with marketing, I try to help people understand the technology, and also to fill the gaps out there. It really helps people to understand what's on the cutting edge and what's coming now and what's going to be here a year from now. So I would like to thank all of you for your feedback and for your interest and for following. So remember, I got a Facebook page, my company page, Wade for Wireless. I also have a LinkedIn page, but on LinkedIn, just follow Wade, Wade Sarver. It's just a lot easier that way. And on Twitter, I'm at Wade for Wireless. So that's probably the, the best ways to get a hold of me other than my blog, wadeforwireless.com. And I also started a side gig for coaching and consulting at techfecta, T-E-C-H-F-E-C-T-A.com, techfecta.com. But enough of that. That's my self-promotion. Don't worry, there will be more. We're going to talk about broadband to the underserved because that's a big issue. How do we get broadband to more people? And it's not just in the remote and the suburban areas. It's also in the cities, and I'm going to get into that. I got a few more announcements. Tower Tracker Pro has now been rebranded to Crinkle, Crinkle Closeout, K-R-I-N-K-L-E, Crinkle, K-R-I-N-K-L-E dot I-T slash closeout for all your closeout package needs for when you want to close out a package, like what, what they mean by closeout package. When you're at a tower site, you're doing the work. In order to get paid, the carriers want a complete closeout package or anybody. You know, they want to see pictures of all the radio heads. They want to see the color codes, alpha, omega, beta. They want to see all of the, in, all the information in a format that they provide. It's a lot of work. Closeout packages are usually a separate job above and beyond the actual installation. And this is something that people, if you don't get it right, you don't get paid. So it's a second visit to the tower. So the object is one visit to the tower, take all the pictures, upload to the cloud. Somebody at the office verifies it, makes sure that everything's completed, that they didn't miss anything. But that's the beauty of this package. It walks you through step by step by step. So you shouldn't miss anything unless you're in a hurry and you skip some steps. I also want to thank Tower Safety and Instruction, towersafety.com, for all your tower training needs. And they now have Tell Tech College, Tell Tech College, which is their new online brand 
for training people. If you go to towersafety.com, you'll see a link there for Teltech College, which is T-E-L, whoa, got to remember here. It's T-E-L-T-E-C-H hyphen college, C-O-L-L-E-G-E.com, teltech-college.com. Go there and you'll see all kinds of training online for tower industry, for safety. You'll see my books for sale on there. Yay. You'll see the scope of work training, which I did. Yay. And you also see they have drone training. I don't know if you guys know, but I interviewed Kevin Gambold, just a neat, neat guy, a fun guy to talk to of the uh, that, that actually participated and helped with the drone training. His company, Onman Aerial Experts, did the training and they did it all around tower work. That's what makes it so cool. So there will be more later, but right now let's talk about how you get broadband to the underserved. So let me first explain what the underserved is. I know you know what broadband is, right? That could be wired or wireless. And that's that's been an issue because now even the federal government sees broadband as a utility that is needed by the people. You actually have a right to broadband now, according to the federal government here in the United States of America. So when we think that there's no broadband, we often think of the suburban areas, the country areas, or remote areas, you know, the areas where a lot of people just don't want broadband, maybe. It's simply a matter of budgets. How much money is someone willing to put in to deploy broadband out there? And CenturyLink is a company that I see serving those areas. They have wired broadband. You know, you can get, all of a sudden you can get a connection to your house. Even if you live out in the middle of the country, they may or may not have it there. If there's cable out there, but I don't see a lot of cable companies serving these areas. I'm going to be honest with you. What I see is companies like CenturyLink that actually deploy out there. You know, they have wired or they, they take old phone lines and try to, you know, put as much broadband over that as they can, or they, they just run fiber to these remote areas. But I got to tell you, the payback's sort of tough. That's why cable concentrates on developments or cities or towns, because, you know, in a concentrated area, you have 100, 1,000, 5,000, 100,000 people. Whereas in these remote areas, it's a long run over a lot of poles to serve 10, 15, 20, even 100 people. The payback isn't that great. You know what I'm saying? So that's that's the big difference between the two. And there's a lot, I would say there's a higher risk of things going wrong out there, but I don't know that for sure. That's just my perception. So that's something, but they do serve those areas. Now, the great thing is, is wireless, like the carriers. And I'm going to point out Verizon here because I was raised on a farm out in the middle of nowhere in Pennsylvania. I mean, literally in the central part of Pennsylvania. And it's in Perry County, Pennsylvania. And there's not a lot of broadband there. But I will tell you one thing. Verizon had it years ago. And Verizon actually does have LTE to some of the areas up there. It's pretty amazing. And it works pretty well. Uh, I'm not saying you get it everywhere. They don't have the area blanketed. But they do have coverage up there. Enough that I can do email. I can get on a website. I can do research. I can Google stuff. You know, it's really amazing that it works up there. Do I see other carriers up there? Well, AT&T's up there. They just don't seem to cover as well. I'm just being honest. Sorry, AT&T. Sprint's up there, but again, not the best coverage. I don't know if T-Mobile's up there. I don't know anyone up there with a T-Mobile phone. Literally nobody. So I really couldn't comment one way or the other there. But my point is that through wireless, through the carriers, with LTE, they have coverage up there. They even had it with EVDO, you know, on, on CDMA or on 3G. 
So it was up there. They did have coverage. Now, this is providing broadband to these remote areas. It is a way to get coverage there, and it works. It works reliably. I think that's important to remember that we have to find something that works reliably. That's what we're going for. But, you know, what about the city coverage? They don't always have the coverage that we think they do, especially in areas where the payback is not so obvious. In the tough areas, the rough areas, and even the cellular companies, they weigh out, and I say cellular still, but even the wireless carriers, they weigh out what the payback's going to be in that part of town. Is it really worth it to deploy LTE there as a primary, as, as a primary technology? A lot of times, no, and that's something that cities struggle with, and that's a question I get about a lot of these cities that want to do smart city services. They're like, we just want broadband everywhere. That's what we want. We want the underserved areas to have broadband, even though the payback doesn't seem to be there. However, the one thing that they do understand in the cities is that for entrepreneurs to start home-based businesses, they need broadband. If it's not in their building, if it's not at their house, how are they going to get it? More and more people are relying, relying on the wireless carriers to provide it for them. Don't get me wrong, you have to pay for it. It ain't free. You know what I'm saying? You got to pay for it. But broadband is more than a luxury or something that's nice to have. It's a catalyst for starting small business, for starting any business. Anyone who wants to sell something on Amazon, on eBay, they really need broadband. Anyone who wants to write books and publish on Amazon, like I do, we really need broadband. Anyone who wants to consult, have conference calls, have video calls, use, uh, say, WebEx or Skype, they really need broadband. I know our smartphones do a lot, but we really need more than that. You know, I still rely heavily on a laptop. I still rely on a tablet. I have all three devices, and it's, it's not like one is better than the other. It's more like this. It's more like each one has a job to do. You know, I work and train from home using the internet. I improve. I do a lot of different jobs. I have multiple jobs. You know, I have a full-time gig, and I have two or three side gigs. I do it all using broadband for my home. I have a cable modem. I have Comcast, and it works really well. Regardless of what people think about Comcast, I think Comcast and the other cable companies see the writing on the wall that TV and popularity is declining. IT, or I should say internet access, is increasing. Everyone wants internet access, and now the millennials are signing up for internet access only. They're getting their TV from Netflix. They're getting their TV from Amazon. And when I say TV, I mean video. The shows they can get, they can, they, can, they can watch all at one time. They can download them and watch them one after another after another. It's called binge watching. That's what we're in now. And that's what, I'm going to bring up smart cities again, but that's what the smart cities see. They see real value in having internet access, broadband access, high-speed internet access. And the competition is going to increase between the fixed wireless and the wireless, I think. And I think pretty soon, maybe the lines will be blurred and it just won't matter as long as you have something at the house. Because everyone that I know at their homes, they have Wi-Fi, right? Everyone has Wi-Fi. Everyone relies on Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi has become really easy to deploy, really easy to work with, really easy to set up. I mean, Wi-Fi is awesome for that. I really see LTEU doing that as well, although the carriers will probably want it a little more complicated, so they have more of a corner on the market. But I really see that as a game changer. I just do.
So anyway, I think we have to find a way to get broadband to these underserved areas. I mean, there's a lot of different options. Just like I said, you have fiber. You can run fiber everywhere. You have cable companies. You run cable. You can even do it over copper. Probably not to the not to the amount that you want to do it, but it's there. It's an option. So what we're looking for is to serve those areas. You have carrier wireless carriers, what I'm trying to say, that actually serve these areas too. And I think with 5G, as they begin to roll out, let's say the 38 gigahertz, the you know the, the centimeter wave, the millimeter wave, as soon as they start rolling that out, then you're just going to see it seamless everywhere. But I got to tell you, there's still a business to it. You still have to make money off of it. And business is business because look at the Muni Wi-Fi rollouts. I mean, uh, I'm trying to think who it was a Blaze, not BlazeNet. Who was it? It was... Um, they rolled out Muni Wi-Fi over in Philadelphia several years ago, and, and it just cost so much money. You know, they rolled it out. It was a lot of money. They couldn't sustain it. That's why these Wi-Fi carriers are, in my opinion, they have much lower, much smaller budgets than the wireless carriers do. Wireless carriers, you know, with the auctions and everything, they have to pay billions just to get the Spectrum. I mean, ask T-Mobile what they paid. They paid billions to get their 600 megahertz spectrum nationwide. But they know there's real value in that. But before they laid out a dime on any towers, they had to spend billions on the spectrum. Wi-Fi is license-free, easy to roll out, easy to put out there. It's quick and easy. But the Muni Wi-Fi now has more of a model. There's a lot of cities, cable companies, everybody putting out Wi-Fi in municipalities in the cities. And I have an article about Muni Wi-Fi from Fierce Wireless, how it's Wi-Fi 2.0, time cities are getting smarter. And I have the link in my blog at Wade for Wireless, W-A-D-E, the number four wireless, wadeforwireless.com. So you just go there and you look for broadband to the underserved and you'll see it. So these initiatives, like I said, they were not overwhelmingly successful. Every time someone tries to roll out citywide coverage for Wi-Fi, it's very hard to make a case. The only success I've seen is really with the cable companies. And to be honest with you, with the smartphones, it is nice when you can go to Wi-Fi, but most people want to do it when it's free. The frustrating thing about sometimes, about sometimes, the frustrating thing about the cable companies is sometimes they limit to broadband. So all of a sudden it works and it doesn't work. Then you're just as well off on LTE. So what do we have to do here? We have to educate people and explain to them the differences between the Wi-Fi hotspots and LTE. I think people see real value in Wi-Fi. They like Wi-Fi. They really enjoy it. But the reality is, we have to come up with a good plan for them to have it. So it's one of those things where it's not like the field of dreams. If you just build out Muni Wi-Fi and you say people will come, they may, they may not. They have a lot of options. They're going to come if it's really great, you know, if they know it's there. People might see the Wi-Fi. They might not want to hop to it. They have to know it's there. You have to educate people that way too. Hey, we have Wi-Fi. But I still think the other options for broadband are still there, so... Wi-Fi has a real chance of getting stuff out there. It's quick. It's easy. It's cheap. The cities could do it. They just need to run the backbone there. And if you want to get to the underserved areas quickly, Wi-Fi is a great option. You just need three major things, backhaul, mounting assets with power, and the equipment. That's all. Wi-Fi really is the cheapest way to deploy to these areas. So they could really hit the underserved areas and serve them in ways that they can't be served now. 
So until the wireless carriers see a payback, uh, the big payback for 4G, for 5G, until the cable companies see a big payback for running out broadband everywhere, and before anyone runs fiber to these areas, Wi-Fi is really the first most economical choice. I know I give it a hard time, but the reality is it could be first in these areas and really make some money. But again, I use a lot of butts because we all have big butts. Let's talk about my big butt. My big butt is I don't see Wi-Fi as a permanent solution for these areas. I just don't. But it's it's an option. It's a way for them to get there first. It's a way to roll out broadband. If you're a smart city, boom. Now, back to the urban and suburban areas, you know, I think the model is going to have to stay the way it is. You're going to need broad coverage. You're going to need licensed spectrum. And you're going to need some type of backhaul out there. Those are the issues there. I know I was all over the place in this. I apologize. It's a high overview of what I see that smart cities need and what rural, area, rural suburban areas need. I'm just throwing it out there. Hey, everyone. Just so you know, I have the LTE deployment book out there now in paperback. You can get an ebook or get it in paperback. I have the 5G deployment plan, ebook or paperback. I have the tower climbing introduction, tower climbing, an introduction. Again, paperback or ebook, and I have the scope of work tutorial. Again, ebook or paperback. Everything's in paperback now on Amazon. Isn't Amazon great? I have all the links in my blog at wadeforwireless.com or go to Amazon and search for any of those or search for Wade Sarver and you'll see my author page come up. And I, yes, I do have the books in paperback. Remember, be smart, be safe, and pay attention. We're all here to learn together and we're all doing the best we can. If you want to give me feedback, you can just email me at wadeforwireless at gmail.com. Let me know what you're thinking. Let me know what you're doing. Let me know how we can all improve together. I appreciate feedback. Be smart, be safe, pay attention. See ya. <laughs>